Welcome to Courageous Conversations with Teresa W. Gamble, powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. Courageous Conversations is a diversity, equality, and inclusion initiative. It's a gracious space for meaningful discussions about culture, life, business, work, learn, live, worship, and play. Greetings, everybody. This is your host, Teresa W. Gamble, Courageous Conversations, um, live in Houston, Texas, via Jacksonville, Florida. Today, we're going to continue the conversation with Culture Life with Adonica L. Toller. She is going to give us an amazing recap of all the activities and festivities that took place in Juneteenth in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, Adonica. How are you today? Hello, Miss Teresa, and hello, everyone. I hope all is well. Yes, it is. All is well and beautiful. So what it ha- what has happened or what took place in Juneteenth in Jacksonville? I heard it was over 40 events going on. Over 40 events. And who child, I still tired. <laughs> but I had a great day. Um, uh, so the first event that I was a part of is Startup Grind with Teresa W. Campbell. (laughs) Yes. That was the first event. And it was an opportunity to share about Juneteenth and the complexity of of our emancipation in the United States and how it really was a complex uh, process that Juneteenth did not end slavery in the United States, and that depending on the state, your emancipation proclamation was different, the date. Um, also, the myth that the Emancipation Proclamation ended slavery in the United States, it did not. And so just, just sharing that, just talking about the different uh, steps and variants and which really, really gives you an understanding of the complexity as we move forward fighting for our rights even now. Um, Even for Florida, like we May 20th is what is officially celebrated celebrated here in the the state of Florida, um, May 20th, 1865. However, January 1st, 1863, the the Florida area, St. Augustine's particularly, was actually controlled by the Union. And the Union general and military actually called all the slave owners and their slaves to George Street and announced it January 1st, 1863, that the slaves were free. Wow. And on the on the at on the spot, many of those slaves became members of the union army so but wait a minute I, so you're saying <laughs> we already was in bondage for god for over 400 years pretty much and now that we have been became free so now they did an automatic enlistment of slaves to not fight for the country mm-hmm. that have enslaved them that is that what you're telling me Adonica? that is what i'm telling you wow <laughs> Wow. And, you know, many, and as for former slaves and even for free Blacks, joining the military was one, taking into your hand your your 
opportunity to take it into your hand to make your set to get your freedom or to claim your freedom. The other is many times they did it to show that we are committed to this, that we are, we can be faithful to a country. So we've always had this, what we would say a catch 22 situation. Our relationship with the United States has never been this smooth, wonderful experience because we've always had to deal um, with how we're treated because of the color of our skin. It didn't matter your social or political status because it was stripped from you. So you had slave codes, which were set up to control the slaves, but now you also had black codes, which were used to control the free blacks. So so whether you were enslaved or whether you were free black, there were codes put in place to control you, to make it very clear that you are not equal with white residents of this country. So so, let me jump in right quick. So define slave codes and black codes or either give me an example of each. Well, slave codes one, uh, which is even the same for uh, black codes, you know, it actually was just illegal for a slave to know how to read and write. And this was the same attitude for free black, which was very interesting because blacks knew how to read and write, but it was not a legal, it was a, it was a way to show you that you are not ever on my status because you're black. Mm. And those were codes, that's where with, in the case of the black codes, it restricted where free blacks could go. So you definitely could not go to the same church as a white person. Now you could go to the slave church, same church as a white person if you were a slave, because that would be your slave owner. But if you were free black, you were not permitted or allowed to, or expected to uh, attend church with a white church member. Mm. So every aspect of black life where you were enslaved or free was controlled by these codes. And the the consistent uh, variable was the color of your skin, simple as that. So it didn't matter if you are rich black, which there were rich black free blacks and well-educated free blacks, but there were certain part of town you could stay in. There was certain stores you couldn't, couldn't go to there were places you weren't even allowed to go to. Um, white business owners had the option of whether or not they served you. And if they did, it usually was a window, a back door, or some demeaning part. It wasn't, you couldn't walk through the front door. There was, you could not. And if you could walk in the front door, you were served at another area within the store or the restaurant. You were not given the same courteous, um, good service as white customers. Wow. You mentioned something about um, they were wealthy um, African-Americans during that period. So I understand there was a parade you participated in during Juneteenth weekend, and that was actually put on display. What was the Black royalty looked like? Can you describe to us what you saw or what you experienced because okay. I understand you was the griot. Yes, I was the griot. 
Okay. <laughs> so, um, so one of the other uh, events I was a part of that I had to leave to participate in, there is a, a melanin market. Uh, melanin market was an effort um, started, hmm, I think it's maybe four years ago, maybe three, mm-hmm. where the effort to um, have show you to learn the black business owners in Jacksonville in this area. And initially it was 40, 50, which is great. Many of those individuals, I know them. I actually, in fact, I'm actually wearing the jewelry of one of them. Oh, wow. And um, she, and, and she's a big part of my accessory game. And so, <laughs> um, so uh, this year there were over 200 black businesses at Melanin Market. Wow. So it went from 40 and to 200. Wow. It went from 40 to 200. Most of them are Jacksonville residents. Okay. Um, from anything you could think of, it was there. It, it was there. Anything you need, it was there. I That's promise good. you. It was there. That's and um, uh, so I was asked to be part of the melanin market parade what's special about this parade it was designed by a woman named Padrica Mendez who is a Jacksonville native Miss Mendez uh, was a opera singer in Europe for over 30 years she was particularly popular in Italy she lived there for many years Mm -hmm. she actually had a radio show I believe a television show and she was in two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was and is an excellent tailor. Her father was an immigrant from Cuba. And he rode over here as a teenager and moved to Jacksonville, had a family here. Um, his wife died. His first wife died. He moved to New York and he became part of, really big part of the Harlem Renaissance as well with his cigar club. Everything, and then he moved back to Jacksonville, married again, and had Padrica and her brothers. All of them were trained to be tailors, and you know that's a craft. It's a real craft, um, an apprenticeship process, all of those things. And in the meantime, Padrica was had an excellent voice. In fact, she went off to Bethune Cookman College on a scholarship for voice classes for singing for opera, and. She talked about how she actually traveled with Dr. Bethune on her fundraising efforts and she would sing. So she traveled the, co- the country wow. to raise money for the college with her beautiful voice. And so um, over the years, we have become really great friends. I love sitting with her. You know, I love sitting with the elders and we hit it off really well. And she does this annual, she used to do this annual parade, uh, Easter. Um, and then there's just one about black, African and black history, but she would do these annual parades of black kings and queens, African kings and queens. So from Egypt, Ghana, Shaka Zulu, all across the con- continent, um, she had them in their royal entourages and galas. So she did a small version of that. And she did the kings and the, uh, the pharaoh and the queen and the fan bearers and the princes. And, and my job as the griot was to explain the position. And 
what that meant. Um, because many times when we see a fan bearer, we think it's a slave position, but not in Egypt. It's actually a position of honor from a, um, the fan bearer would be from a, a well-to-do aristocratic family, as well as the princesses. Everyone is a, a king and queen there. No one is a slave in that in that entourage. And so then you have the griot. And so, um, well, griot is the French word, the colonizer word for Ajale or the historian of the group. And so it was my job to introduce and give a little history. And the majesty of that just really wowed everybody. I mean, we were stopped a lot. The procession was stopped because people jumped in the front. They wanted to see those pictures, those imagery. And the fact that Miss Patrika created those pieces with her own hand. And it was just a great experience. And um, I'm also her her jale or griot for her program that she does um, where it talks about not only does it talk about the majesty of the African kings and queens, but also how math, you know, math really did start in Africa. It really talked about the, that um, Africans were really literate. They were not illiterate. There were books, they were writing. And the, all the, the lies that we hear about, oh, Africans are savages and all that stuff. So this program that she has, at, that she does and the, maje the majesty of it is amazing because I had to, as I'm supposed to be explaining the group as they're coming and they're coming toward me, I'm standing there going, oh, I'm going wait, you're supposed to be talking. <laughs> so we have this incorrect imagery of us as African people, African-American group. And this, you know, this program that she does it is just, and it's a, it's an anticipated event. Like when people know she's going to do it, it sells out. And it's like, it's, there's never enough tickets. The space is never big enough to hold the people who come. And it's just a wonderful way to really celebrate uh, our heritage and really learn about the impact we really have on the world um, and, and, and counter the imagery that we see of ourselves all the time in the media. So we have to really take, you really have to take the effort to invest, research your own history and your own ethnicity. And, and, and that's for anyone in any minority group, you need to really, um, the, the media has really done a, a disservice to us in our building our imagery as who we are as a people. And you have to really go in there and, and challenge and remove those thoughts that's very good that's interesting i can't wait to see those pictures i bet they just the way you describing it it sounds so beautiful yeah. so how can the um our listeners um or our viewers reach out to connect with you and come visit you at the ritz theater museum in jacksonville since many people will be traveling this summer well we are the address for the Ritz Theater Museum is 829 North Davis Street. Um, my, my email address here at work is atoller, A-T-O-L-E-R, at A-S-M-J-A-X.com. And my desk number is 904-807-2000. 
2014. And if you are traveling this summer and visit us, you will see an exhibit about the first, second, and third Seminole War. And also the role of, so in case you don't know, the word Seminole means runaway slave. And for those wars, um, they, the, the English and the French, they never defeated the Seminole Indians. And many of them were actually runaway slaves who had become part of the tribe. And, uh, and to, I actually have been doing some tours, summer tours, and the students are just amazed when we start sharing the history, when they start seeing what they look like, when they see the color of their skin. And one of the um, chiefs, I can't think of his name right now, there's this great picture of him and I love it. And I, the historian assumed it was a feather, there's some feathers in his head. And one of the students says, are those dreads? And I said, no, it's a feather, but it made me think. And my hair was loose, like it was a little fuller. Cause he was like, it look like your hair, like that. And so my hair, <laughs> and I said, I said, you know what? You have a point. I said, now you've given me something to research and see because that really does, they really did look like they were big dreads that were sitting on his head. I said, okay, you've given me some work to do. And so he felt kind of proud. And I said, well, see, that's the beauty about learning. If you're open to learning, you're always going to grow. I said, but I always just assumed it was a feather, but I think you're right. I said, but I'm going to look into it and find out and then I'm going to share the information and let you know and I said you look too so that we both are we can work on it together and he was so proud he felt like he just oh he just felt like he had done this great thing and I said well that's the beauty about asking questions and paying attention and being inquisitive um, that's where you continue to grow and I said we continue to do that because um, there's so much more that you are going to you'll be able to learn and I digest having that kind of attitude. So they loved it. So you're going to see that we have this great animatronic uh, or robotic exhibit of James Weldon Johnson and his brother, John Rosamond, who did, wrote Lift Every Voice and Sing here in Jacksonville. And they'll see actual artifacts that belong to individuals in this community that we're actually sharing with you. So our permanent history site folks solely is Jacksonville, Northeast Florida, African-American history. So you'll get a chance to see that. And then around September or so, if things, if the, if they sail over safely as they get over in time, you will have, you will see an exhibit from South Africa from a cultural exchange partnership I'm part of. Um, that I've been doing with that country. So it's gonna, we have some really exciting things for you to see. And Jacksonville, and there's other places that I will definitely tell you about that you need to check out while you're here. Jacksonville has some really powerful um, images. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adonica, for that amazing you're update welcome. on Juneteenth and sharing your experiences with the Melanin Market and the parade. I can't wait to meet Miss Patrika. I would love to meet oh, her in person. I'm happy to talk to her. Yes, she's fantastic. And, yes, and the amazing exhibits that you are hosting at the Ritz Theater and curating with um, the country of Africa. And my most favorite is how you are impacting 
our upcoming generation with this history and they finding the resemblance between our history and their presence because they're seeing some historical um, icons that look just like them. So thank you so much and continue what you do. Thank everyone for listening. You got to keep, you got to stay in tune. Uh, Donica Tola is our reoccurring monthly culture life expert. She shares so many nuggets and I have homework for you. Make sure you research the slave codes and the black codes so you can understand what they were back then and how they're being recycled to today. Absolutely. Great assignment. Yes. In addition, we want to challenge you to reach out to your legislators, the ones that are in office, to make sure that they're doing their due diligence with what you vote them in office to do, to make sure that we get our right to vote, to make sure the criminal reform of George Floyd Act is passed, as well as the John Lewis Act. We have to push push them to do what is they were elected to do. So, uh, Donica, I want to thank you so much for keeping our culture in the forefront, teaching, dropping us nuggets every, every day to challenge us to research our history and who we are and tell, embellish, the young lady did your earrings. She did an amazing job. They're Thank beautiful. You. Oh, I tell her, I tell her, I said, I don't know what you've done with these earrings, but I have people that walk right up to me, touch the earrings, don't say hello or nothing <laughs> and say, where did you get these from? Or can I have these? I said, really? Hello, what's your name? Yes. So um, again, an entrepreneur, someone who decided to do what she's, what was in her spirit and her heart to do instead of what society says to do. And she actually is doing very, very well. I know she's got a lot of my money, so. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not happy for it. I, I'm a pre- I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been listening Thank to you. Courageous Conversations. All Stay right. connected. I'll see you next month. All right. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Courageous Conversations with Teresa W. Gamble. Courageous Conversations is powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. Would you like to be a guest and have your stories, lessons, and best practices be captured in our audio encyclopedia? We're currently reviewing applications for future guests to join us, and we're especially interested in creating space for long-standing or multi-generational Black-owned businesses. For more information and to be considered, please email info at crpcnow.com to request an application. And remember, do not get weary in well-doing. You shall reap if you faint not. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9.